Hello and welcome to Grilling JR. This is Paul Bromwell. Yes, I'm here once again this week and I'm joined by the voice of wrestling, my longtime <laughs> friend, Jim Ross. JR, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Good to see you. Good to have you on the on the on the show again, obviously. Steering the ship. Wouldn't have JR, oh, nobody better. Hey man, it's good to be here. I feel like this is this is me and you are just becoming a thing. It's just becoming, you know, <laughs> grilling JR with Paul and JR. Make Conrad jealous, you know. <laughs> I don't listen, that guy's busier than what you say, a fruit merchant or One, uh, yeah, he's busier than a fruit merchant. Yeah. If somebody's gonna say, What does that mean? In Oklahoma, they grow to, they grew a lot of produce. You know, it's something like tomatoes or watermelon and things like that. And these guys would grow them or buy them wholesale from the field. Then they would go to intersections of the highway that was busy and they would set up shop. If they didn't have any traffic and because the, all the items they're selling are all perishable within days, they would move to another location. So the good news is, is when you're busier than a fruit merchant. So there you go. It's analysis like that that keeps us coming back every Wednesday night. For <laughs> yeah. That's a story. I mean, that's, it is. It that's, is. That's been an old slogan since I was a kid. Yeah. Oh, man, he's busy in fruit merch. <laughs> hey, buddy, we had a good time last week with uh, a show, uh, Great American Bash 92. The yeah. highlight of that show was Vader Sting. We also got to talk a little bit about you and Jesse. I don't yeah. Jesse's birthday as we record this, right? Yeah. 71. He's a year older than me, maybe six months, I guess, but he's, he's, I'm 70, he's 71. And, uh, you know, he's, he's an interesting dude. I think, uh, I was mentioning this, you know, I will give you some date details on an appearance I have in Jersey coming up soon. Uh, but I, I was going to mention that, you know, some promoters are missing the boat here cause Jesse, they're always looking for something new. And I, I like that, but Jesse and I together at a signing an autograph opportunity, photo off, whatever, uh, is I think would draw. And I don't ever do this very often, but I'm just saying it. I got a lot of friends that are in the promotion business. And if you're looking for something new, it might be that heck. I don't know. So it's an idea anyway, that's all just sharing it and looking for work. No. <laughs> <laughs> more ways to get you on stage and listen it doesn't matter if he's six months older than you he's still your elder jr so yeah you, know, you just there you go you always yeah. have that in your back pocket. i think we'd have a lot of fun and, and it would be an interesting a combination that had never been offered oh, before yeah. and the collectors love the new stuff that's right and, and i can understand why well, man, listen, we got a fun show this week. It was great to hear you again on the mic for Dynamite and uh, and Rampage again. You were talking to me a little bit before we started recording, too, just uh, how things are going there. You got some big shows that were announced for Chicago. It's going to be fun. I'll be out in Chicago. Cool. Had free shows for a big weekend out there, too. Uh, but you're you're making things happen, like you said, even with uh, kind of a depleted roster right now. Yeah, the roster's really uh, uh, depleted injuries. And it's, uh, you know, it just seems like we got a plethora of injuries. It's almost at the same, almost at the same time, but in the same time frame. And Tony Khan's doing an amazing job of booking these shows with uh, a depleted roster. If you look at the talents that are not available, it's pretty scary, but we have to persevere and still do a live tell two live tell one live show and one show live to tape every week. Yeah. So, uh, the injuries are an issue obviously for any promoter. 
And, uh, but the great thing is, is that we do have some depth. I like that idea that we have some depth and some guys. Are, and the other thing is it's motivating others to step up. And I think that's important. Well, listen, it was about damn time. I finally saw Britt Baker DMD and my buddy rebel back on screen on Wednesday night. It would be a little backstage segment. I'm telling you, JR, I felt like the rocket ship was tied to her back. Uh, Britt Baker, that is during the pandemic, the backstage segments, the stuff yeah. that she was doing with, with rebel building the character to the thunder Rosa stuff. And for whatever reason, I feel like she still can't find her way on my TV set week in and week <laughs> out, but man, she's so talented on the mic and, oh, and in the yeah. ring too. What, what's no your doubt. thought on that, man? Well, I'd like to see more of her too. And I'm sure going forward, we will, uh, she's too valuable a talent to not, uh, have her involved in things. I don't know what those things are going to be. I don't know who she's going to be married to. There's a lot of opportunities, but uh, I'm a big fan of her work as are you, obviously. I think you have a crush on her. <laughs> Shh, don't tell Adam Cole. Don't tell Adam Cole. Yeah. Bay Bay. He's another guy that's on the injured list. God yeah. bless him. Uh, so, you know, I I'm with you on that deal. I, I I'd love to see more of her too. I'm sure that we will. I know that Tony Khan's a big fan of her work, uh, and uh, she's always pitching something. Well, that's good, and I love that. She's yeah. really, she's really smart. She's, she's a brilliant, brilliant person. Oh, you you can tell. And uh, listen, I just feel like someone like that who every time she comes on the screen, she captures your attention. Yeah. Uh, again, rocket ship was tied to her for a reason. She gets got herself over. Fantastic talent. Got to find a way to get more of that on TV. And oh, by the way, uh, Rebel 2, because they are just a dynamic duo together. And they're uh, here, Tony Khan. Paul Boutwell is Bromwell. 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 <laughs> I don't even know your fucking name. I know. Isn't this it's terrible? I, I can't or I can't pronounce it. You're you're my Cesaro. <laughs> you're, you're, you're Daniel Bryan. Yeah. All good. I'll get off my soapbox, but man, listen, you're killing it. You're still doing a good job. Looking forward to Chicago, but we're That's here. a big deal, man. Yeah, I know it's going to be big. And, I just uh, wonder sometimes I hope that the fans turn out in, a, in droves because we'll have what the shows will be loaded and anybody that's been cleared medically, I'm sure we're going to dance. It's just a matter of, you don't know when they're going to doctors are going to say, okay, you're good to go. So, but nonetheless, uh, Chicago, it, those will be loaded shows should be a hell of a lot of fun. And, uh, it'll really test, uh, Tony Khan's, uh, creativity in putting these cards together, but he's, he's come through every time since I I'm amazed at what he does when I get to TV and I see the, the formats are just like, well, he, he kind of did it again. We're all, we're all, this should be some good show. So all good, man. That's all good. And you just you get these guys healthy and then we'll be off and running. Yep. Off to the races. Uh, wrestling is fun. So much going on. You got Starcast upcoming. Ric Flair's last match. You got SummerSlam. How's, how's Conrad doing in that deal? He's working night and day, I know. Buddy, if if I get more than three or four words out of him at this point, it's a good thing. And and that, not to say anything as slight to that. It's just I know that he's swamped. He's just, yeah. so, you know, this whole Booker thing, this is a new experience for him. <laughs> uh, he's hearing from wrestling talent all over the world. Everybody wants to be a part of this event. Sure. So I can't even imagine. Well, he, uh, I told him, I said, you'll learn another level of talent and their psychology and how they think, and they'll expose their insecurities on show day. Cause that's when everybody gets their finish. And that's when everybody, here's what we want to do. 
you have music, you don't have music, you have pyro, you don't have pyro, all those things. Uh, why am I going on third? Why am I following this? Uh, so he's still got his hands full talents don't change. And, uh, but I'm, but I'm glad that he's going to have a loaded card and he is. And like I said, I'm, I, I, uh, really flying less is better for me and standing around all day. I can't do it. I just can't, you know, I'm this damn uh, wound is healing, but you know, I can aggravate the hell out of it just by standing up and walking. So, uh, I'm going to watch it on the fight app. Yeah, there you go. And I like that app and I, they do a great job and the, and the pictures are great and it'll be fun. Sounds good. That's the way you can check it out too. You can go Starcast with uh, JR and check it out there. Starcast.com has all the information as well. You can stream it on fight. Again, you want to take a look at that, but JR, let's jump into this week's show. All right. Uh, folks at this point, definitely know how they can find all that great wrestling content that's out there, but they're here today because they want to hear what you got to talk about. And you have to say about triple H specifically this week, we're going to talk about his 1997 uh, this is really the year Hunter stepped out of the doghouse and into his own. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, he, uh, he, this is his year. Yeah. And he had a great year and it defined really the, the rest of his career, I think. So he became one of the games, no pun intended, uh, best heels without a doubt. He, I don't know that he was the best heel on our roster. I think that was Mr. McMahon. But I do think that, uh, 1997 was the year that triple H stepped out of the pack and became something special. Well, let's, uh, kick off this journey at triple H and it all starts off the, the year that he's the intercontinental champion as we kick <clears> off <throat> the year for the WWF. And I don't know that we've ever talked about this before JR, but what was your opinion of his full name? Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Well, I thought it was a little gimmicky, <laughs> uh, quite frankly. And I understood the name, you know, uh, but I didn't, it didn't overwhelm me. Let me put it that way. It paled in comparison to triple H. Yeah. Well, he's wrestling against Mark Mara, mostly on the house show loop, but does a couple big, uh, victories there. He, he pins Bret Hart a few times. He's defeats, uh, Brett and Steve Austin in a triple threat match by pinning Austin. Is it known by early 97, Jim, that the company is going to revert back to the big push for triple H such as winning uh, king of the ring that year. Uh, we all know what happened in 96, the whole curtain call deal at Madison Square Garden. We've talked about that. You and Conrad have talked about it ad nauseum. Yeah. Yeah, Do you have. think when 97 started, the push was, hey, all right, it's over. He's been punished. Let's let's move Triple H forward. Yeah, I, I think I think that was a general consensus and probably overdue, to be honest with you. Probably a little bit overdue. That curtain call thing uh, was, uh, you know, it was... I don't want to say much to do about nothing because that would not be accurate, but it was oversold. I think, I think it wasn't as big a deal as some people made it out to be. And, uh, of course the, the guys that, uh, some guys are leaving, so they didn't get affected by it, but you know, triple H had to pay a little pence. It seemed like, uh, was it, was it justified? That's our, that's a very subjective question. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, he, he maintained his sanity and he maintained his focus and he kept working. So, you know, what the hell, how do you, you know, it, it's really simple to me, the angst that the, that this, the wrestling fans have for triple H it's paid money. He made good money because of that angst, by the way. Uh, but 
I think this, his marriage and who he married became a huge issue as far as do I like this guy or do I not like this guy? So he marries the boss's daughter. So I don't know. I don't think I like him, but and because of who he married. So now you got the keys to the castle. Well, you know, you still got to go out there and wrestle. You still go out there and hang with these dudes like stone cold and all this. And if guys like Bret Hart didn't have faith in, uh, triple H, he wouldn't have been willing to put him over. That to me was a great sign. Triple H and Brett had some matches. I booked them. And I thought that, you know, and Brett was just great. They're trying to help new talent get over. But you know what else too? It's another life lesson though here. Triple H, Jim, if you think about it, he was a guy that had to pay, pay his dues, had to pay his penance, if you will, yeah. or something. And he took the fall right, wrong, or indifferently, whether he thought it was fair or not, he took it, didn't get King of the ring, but he didn't take his ball and go home either. No, he came out and was the stronger Ford on the other side and was rewarded, uh, because of the way that he handled himself, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. He was a class act. It's a, it's a lesson to today's generation is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And he's a class act. He's always been that way. He's that way today. You know, he's a valuable asset for WWE. And I, don't, I don't know what his role is. Uh, I don't keep up with that stuff there and their, their inner office maneuvers, quite frankly, uh, don't have time and or the in, interest to do, do it. But, uh, he's a valuable asset there now. And now that he's back in back working and doing things, yeah. uh, he's, he will become an even more, uh, uh, asset. Yeah. And nobody expects you to, Jim, you're a fruit merchant in your own way yourself. You got a lot going on in your plate. So, so listen, let's kick it off here. Royal rumble 97 triple H defeats gold dust to maintain, uh, and keep and hold on to his, uh, intercontinental championship. But when he appears this time, he's got Curtis Hughes in the corner. They were only together for a few weeks here, Jr. Uh, but this, you know, this pairing just wouldn't last long. Uh, Curtis, as you and I have also talked about, this is around the time where he's dealing with a lot of health issues. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's something we wanted to try, you know, did triple H need a heater? A lot of top stars have had heaters over the years, uh, which dates before Sean and diesel, you know, wait, go, go and keep going back. You'll find somebody has got their heater. Uh, and, and, and that was done to help some heels continue to grow. Uh, I, uh, didn't, I didn't dislike the idea of giving triple H a heater. But we had those issues with Curtis that we had to deal with that we weren't planning for. And so that was why it was short lived, you know, and, uh, Curtis is Curtis is healthy now. Thank God. He's a hell of a good guy. You know, he played for those Kansas state mild cats. I used to call him the mild cats. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he left or left or thought it was funny or not, but he didn't kill me. Uh, and so, uh, but he's doing good. He's got a school in Atlanta. So he's training a lot of guys. And, and has got guys that he's trained that are on television and things of that nature. So Curtis came out on the other side. Well, he's using what he learned to earn a living. And I I'm happy for that, but it just, uh, it was a solid idea. It's just that we weren't aware that Curtis had some health issues that would preclude him, preclude him from, uh, fulfilling his his obligations here. Now that's good. So we move on. It's February. It's uh, the last live on location shotgun Saturday night. Again, 
this is another angle or moment that you and I have talked about already this year. Uh, it's from Penn Station. It's February eighth. Uh, Triple H defeats the Undertaker in that uh, memorable match. It's by DQ. Taker tombstones him at the top of the escalator. Uh, Jim, uh, Vince, and Sonny were on the call for that one. It's a very memorable visual. When you got someone like Hunter, though, he's now working with Brett. He's now working with Taker. There is definitely confidence that he's a top guy and and, and ready to move up the rot to the top of the roster. No, absolutely. We went booking with a get with our top guys. He couldn't carry his share of the water and, uh, he can carry his share of the water. He was ready. So, uh, he was a very valuable asset and, and, and for the most part durable, he had some injuries that were untimely. They're all untimely. Uh, but by and large, uh, he stayed pretty solid and pretty well booked all the time. Well, and you and I, he would then move on, and we did a watch along earlier this year, but five days later, uh, Rocky Maivia defeats Triple H on Thursday, Raw Thursday, to win the Intercontinental title. So there you go. That belt is now in Rock's possession. Rocky also successfully defended it three days later at In Your House Final Four. At this show, however, is where we see the debut of China after Triple H was distracted by Gold Dust to lose the match to Rocky. China, China would then put Marlena in a choke presented as an unknown fan in her first appearance. So let's talk about the sudden appearance of China. Was this a quick idea once Hughes um, moves along or had Triple H been pushing to bring her in for a while? I think Triple H is endorsing her. You know, they were seeing each other at that time. So they were a couple. So, uh, and, and then you'd assume com have compatibility. Uh, but she was so unique. I mean, you know, you, uh, there you talk about take, can't take your eyes off of her. Yeah, she passed the old wrestling promoters uh, uh, theory that if, if they don't notice you walking through the airport, you might not be viable. And you can't tell me that China wasn't always noticed when she walked through the airport. Uh, she was a Kowalski student uh, and Triple H had helped her a lot. So I think that was kind of in the works. It was, you know, and no disrespect to Curtis Hughes. She was an upgrade because of her look and her uniqueness. It was unique. That's right. And, and different. And, uh, you know, I've got to give triple H a lot of credit for that's her China success because uh, he taught her so much and he knew how to use her where she wouldn't step out of her lane into an area that she was not prepared for. He did a real good job and it shows you that, you know, when you're looking, judging talent or, or, or things of that nature, that he had a knack for it. Mm. The way he booked China with him will tell you that he had a feeling for this whole thing. And, and, the, and so he would go to Vince with ideas and other talents and other talents to find out about it. And if they didn't like that particular idea, uh, and some didn't triple H getting their business, all he was trying to do is suggest ideas that would help them. And a lot of guys didn't like that. So that got him some heat. It did. But when Vince's mind, you got to say, Hey, this guy has a knack for this, for, for yeah. talent identification. I think he did. Yeah. Uh, that's that's good. So we move into the WrestleMania season. You got Triple H in China versus Gold Dust and Marlena. They would uh, continue that feud into WrestleMania 13. We did cover that in March. And the Triple H China pairing is proving to be, as you said, Jr. It's just a perfect pairing uh, for television. Yeah, it's, it's a Hall of Fame pairing. Yeah, you know it really is. If, if you're going to go that way on the Hall of Fame and induct groups or factions or what have you, uh, I see no reason that Triple H and China should not be in the Hall of Fame together as a duo. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know if that'll ever happen. 
you know, uh, I can also see holding that back and just putting Triple H in as a single. But is China in the Hall of Fame? She went in with DX as a group. Yeah. So there's still a case could be made that China deserves to go in as a single. Yeah. I would endorse that. Yeah. I'm with you. Without, now this is an interesting question. Without her, though, do you think Hunter moves up the card like he does? Well, I, I do. I do. I think it, it might have taken him a few more weeks or a few more months, but I do think that Triple H is still yeah. uh, going to be successful with or without China. She helped him get noticed. She They were a unique attraction. Uh, they were they were featured on a lot of television. And uh, so I, I think that Triple H still would have been successful, no doubt. But she helped the process along because of her uniqueness and her look and all those things. He would have got there, but man, she was the accelerant. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, to help him get there. And uh, listen, he was an intercontinental champ previously, and that was all good. He was doing the whole posh blue blood character. But I, I don't know if he would have stuck with that gimmick, JR, that he, he would have gone up the card much you know, further than that, to be honest. What do you think? If uh, I don't think the blue blood thing is going to get getting to the top for no. long. Uh, the, the route that we took that was largely his suggestion, uh, changing names, changing looks, things of that nature, uh, was triple H's idea. And it, he, cause he could feel it. He knew what he could, thought he could do and accomplish and he, and he was right. So, uh, I got nothing but good things to say about triple H's 1997. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. So JR in the first qualifying round on Raw for the 1997 King of the Ring, Ahmed Johnson had actually defeated Triple H via DQ, and thus seemingly Triple H is out of the tournament, but not so fast. The next week, Triple H is put back in the tournament, replacing an illegitimately injured Vader, and then he defeats Crush. So here's the storyline. It would allow Triple H another spot in the tournament because he was not properly instructed prior to his match with Ahmed Johnson the previous week that he could be eliminated via DQ and thus threaten the WWF with legal action. Ah, that's an interesting uh, angle and storyline to get him back in there, don't you think, JR? You don't like it, do you? I I'm not a big fan. No. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> you look like you're spitting out shit. <laughs> like Vincent Mann said, you got to learn to accept and learn to covet the taste of shit. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how great an idea it was. The idea was to get him back in. <clears throat> and, uh, we needed him in the tournament. Yeah. And so that was a way to facilitate that. Was it the best way? Hell, I don't know if it was the best way. Uh, you got a better idea. You should be booking. Yeah, right. Exactly. I just don't understand why you have him lose by DQ in the tournament in the first place. But it, again, I'm not had a, well, we're pushing him. Ahmed. Ahmed was the next it guy. And, uh, I guess the key thing there was. Let's not beat Ahmed. Yeah. I think that was the key the bottom line of everything. Let's not beat Ahmed. But the match had a lot of box office appeal. And then eventually it was, how can we just keep beating Ahmed? That's just how that all turned out. He didn't work out. 
Yeah. Yeah. So. You don't know today we can say, well, it, boy, that didn't work out. Uh, How do you I know? You don't, you can't say then you don't know. Look at him. He looked like money. He and, did. Yeah. And, and so that's, that's the situation there. It's very easy to go back in time and, and, and say, well, that didn't work. We know. Yeah. It didn't work. Yeah. So armchair quarterbacking now. So now we can shit on it a little bit and have, Oh yeah. 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 Well, listen at the King of the ring pay-per-view itself from Providence, triple H would go on to defeat Ahmed. Uh Oh, so, and then mankind's in the final setting up a great summer long feud between these two. I mean, does it get any better than triple H and mankind in their prime Jr. I loved watching those two go. Yeah. Up. They had great chemistry, Paul. That was, that's a key thing. Yeah. They had great chemistry and uh, they, they had solid matches and, with all mixed insanity in the ring, somehow or another, uh, triple H who was more of a traditionalist made it work. Jim, they have great matches that summer. It starts uh, with the Canadian stampede pay-per-view from Calgary. They brawl all over and outside the saddle dome. Uh, Mick's just been there every step of the way to get Hunter over kind of feels like, and that was the role that he was playing at the time. And that's just what it is. Obviously Mick would have a fantastic career himself. But talk about their chemistry. You did. They clicked well. Uh, Mick was also very good as far as just, you know, his impact and his standing in the company. Uh, but, man, they also had another famous cage match at SummerSlam, East Rutherford, New Jersey. Mick would jump off the top of the cage with his Jimmy Snooker tribute uh, to get the win. Uh, Mick gets that payoff victory. But Hunter's ability to hang with Foley really just helps make him here this summer, does it not? Yeah, it made him uh, – uh be perceived as tougher than, uh, yes. you know, more physical. He has the toughness and the, and the mean streak to, to compete with Mick Foley under unique circumstances. Uh, I think that was sort of the main thing we we're selling there is that this guy's not a finesse, simply a finesse wrestler, even though he's a great wrestler, catch wrestler, catches, catch can, all those things. He just, uh, he's a tough dude and he proved it more than once. So I, uh, I think that was the big thing that came out of that was that you better respect triple H as being a badass, buddy, pull out the gasoline, light the match, because here is when triple H becomes the real true badass. After this, we see the formation of the soon to be named D generation X. You got triple H China, Shawn Michaels, Rick rude, the changes in creative, the attitude, all of it. This was the perfect timing for triple H. Wasn't it? If fans are ready for something oh. like this, and that was one of the great factions of all time. Absolutely. DX, no doubt. Can you talk about, and, 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 and do you recall kind of that, that time period, Jr. when all that was coming together, what that creative, how it was talked about. And was it, it was basically from what we've heard, triple H and Sean going to Vince saying, Hey, we, we got to do something here. We got to be fresh. We got to be. You know, we got to be taking it forward, moving this thing forward. Is that how yeah. you recall everything going? going yeah. Down? Sean and triple H had so much to do with the creative, uh, evolution of, uh, DX. Uh, they were helping Vince. They were in his ear. They got him some heat for the talents. And I would tell, I would tell talents. I said, I said, you know, you had the same opportunity yourself to get involved in your storylines or to pitch, pitch a story. Uh, give outline an angle. There's no reason you can't do the same thing. It's that, it, but if you don't put out the effort, uh, to get time with Vince and pitch this idea or your ideas, it's never going to happen. 
So uh, I, I always, uh, that always aggravated me. The talents were pissed off at uh, Hunter and Sean for being close with Vince and consequently believing that their relationship is the only thing that got them, got their stories told. And uh, of course, I don't agree with that at all, but, uh, they were deeply involved in the booking of their, of their angle. And here's the funny thing about that. You know, being a guy that got in the wrestling business in the mid seventies, when Bill Watts would hire a top, top hand, bring a top hand into the territory, you know, you didn't bring in three or four top guys. You, uh, you brought in, you know, you'd bring in a heel, let's say to work with cowboy. And what we got with cowboy is a 300 pound baby face. So the heel had to be big and aggressive and a badass. Uh, and so the other thing that heel had to do was to contribute to his creative and, uh, help with ideas. Okay. We're going to, I want to blow this off at Thanksgiving. So here's our, here's our, here's our landing spots. Boom, boom, boom. And now you challenge the talents to say, what, what do you got? How do you want to do this? What, what, what gimmicks can we use? What matches can we book? Cause at the end of the day, cowboy is going to have a match with you on the blow off and he's going to go over with the Oklahoma stampede, but how do we get there? And so you would expect and count on your talents to contribute to their creative. And that was part of the deal back in the old days. And that was a hell of a deal for the talents because they, they got paid a hundred percent on the gates. So it wasn't a matter of, you know, gimmick sales and all these things. I mean, these guys, the more you draw, the more money you're going to make. So guys are motivated to help with suggestions on their booking. And it's been that, that it's been around forever. It's been around since I got in the business. Yeah. And that, and that seems like forever. <laughs> well, JR, listen, and two, you've said it here before on this show. Uh, there's guys that you can either sit and complain all oh, they have the bosses here or they get to talk to Vince or which, whatever, or you're going to have the mindset, Hey, I need to figure out a way to form a relationship, whether it's Tony Khan, Vince McMahon, whoever the case is, I need to figure out how to grab his ear. I want to have his ear, grab his attention for the limited time I have with some ideas. Yeah. You can't just sit around and complain about the people that have gotten his, their attention. Yeah. It's not a revolutionary idea to have a good relationship with the decision maker in your company. Bingo. Simple as that. And he had it and they had it working and it worked out for him. I would say, uh, you know, 120% here. DX is off. They're on fire. The name Hunter Hearst Helmsley is pretty much getting phased out at this point. It's just triple H. And that was the yep. right call for that as well at that point. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Talk about Rick, yeah. Go ahead. Well, we need to put trip, uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley in the rear view mirror. Oh, absolutely. And drive on out of Greenwich and get in a tough veil. There you go. He's ready to kick some ass. Talk about Rick rude though. A little bit part of this equation, man. He, uh, he worked with them. Yeah, he did. And, and you know, I, I was never totally, uh, settled on that. And I never, I didn't know for sure that Rick speaking of Rick rude, uh, had his heart in that role as being a ensemble player in that, in that, uh, faction. And I might be wrong. I might be wrong about that. Uh, but I thought that Rick rude was an amazing talent and a great heel. One of the best heels ever. I thought he could have done more or we could have done more with him, uh, in DX than, uh, than, than we did. And I don't know the exact reason for that, but, uh, 
in any event, it seems like he was underutilized. You know, man, just a great talent, great wrestler. He was part of that car we watched last week with the Great American Bash. Talent gone way too soon. Uh, but, man, like you said, one a great heel and uh, certainly Miss Rick Rude. Let's talk about the Triple H here because the Cerebral Assassin, which, JR, that credits to you, right? You came up with that coin, yeah. that term? Yeah, yeah. I did. We're still years away from from this point, but you could see the beginnings of that here, could you not? Oh yeah, he's a smart guy, man. Student of the game. He and I'd have private conversations about other talents. I'm managing this group of crazy people, and so I, I, uh, there are guys that you go to that you knew were going to give you an honest opinion. Taker, Stone Cold, for sure, all those guys, and there's several others that I tapped into to get their feelings on a talent, get good feedback. And, uh, so, uh, triple H is one of those guys. I want to dig a little deeper into what you just said. You said that, Hey, you know, I talked to him about talent and things like that. Mm -hmm. Were they also times Jr. that you worked with them and like, you just felt, Hey, you're a real pain in the ass. Yeah. 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 I told him that he knew he might sometimes he, realized it and he'd just laugh it off, which is fine with me. Uh, but he was, sometimes they were challenging. And most of the time that was because of Sean. So sometimes my conversations with triple H would be, Hey, can you talk to Sean or I need to, can you help me here with this? Uh, uh he's, he's you know, with this little minor dilemma and more often than not, he'd say, absolutely. Let me handle it. And that was better for me, uh, because look, as long as the, as long as the task at hand was completed, I didn't care who helped accomplish it. I didn't care who closed the deal. Yeah. As long as our deal, my deal in some areas got closed, taken care of. I got you. And, and honestly, this is good experience for triple H and, you know, talent relations, how to help two people communicate and, and work together. And yeah. he's doing all this as a wrestler. That's right. So exactly. was he already getting involved in production meetings and sharing his advice at this point? It seems like he was, uh, I don't remember exactly when that started happening, but it was in the, it happened. And he would be involved in, in the meetings and, and contribute. Had you ever seen that with another wrestler before an active wrestler kind of get so involved like triple H was at this point? Uh, maybe not to his degree, maybe not to his, his, uh, depth. Yeah, but absolutely. I, I, I think I, there's other wrestlers that have gone to production meetings on, you know, you're getting invited by Vince. Oh, you got these ideas. Why don't you come by and hear, you know, Set in on the meeting. So he wasn't the first guy to do it, but he was probably the most prominent and it probably him being there and learning and contributing, uh, probably helped him more than just about anybody else I can think of. And he's probably there too, just soaking in knowledge. You said student of the game. So for yeah. him, it's just about as much getting experience as well too. And you never hear that agents had issues dealing with him. I mean, if you remove the whole curtain call thing, it sounds like he was pretty much a model employee. Was that the case? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. He wasn't, he wasn't as high maintenance as people perceive. And they only perceive that because of who he married. That's a shitty reason. That's a weak reason. Yeah. And, uh, it's not a good reason to 
either like or dislike a guy based on who he falls in love with. Mm. That's not our place. Come on. That's not our, that's not where that's a wrong area to travel in for a fan or myself or you or anybody else. We can't be judgmental. If somebody falls in love with and wants that's to right. marry and have a family for God's sakes. Are you kidding? It's pro wrestling for goodness sakes. Are we stupid? I mean, really some people are JR. Think some, about it. Think yeah. about it. It just doesn't make any sense to use that premise as a reason for liking or disliking somebody. That's my take on it. And I'm very adamant about it. And I fought that hit that battle on a lot more than one occasion back in the day. And I would tell guys, you know, you embarrass yourself. How fucking stupid can you be? What if we haven't, we haven't examined your marriage. We haven't gone back and looked at your, your, uh, yeah. Yeah. So what, what are we thinking here? You're making yourself look dumb. Stop it. As Enzo Amore says, Jr. this world is full of a couple of haters. Okay. We got haters everywhere, unfortunately, <laughs> and they're ready to pick people apart just for anything. And when you see, oh, Mary, the boss's daughter. Oh, well, then it just starts. It just yeah. starts and it's all fucked up. I'm with you. Well, Jr. Sean seems to get more of a future role as the wrestler of the group as triple H. And this is something doesn't wrestle on the next three pay-per-views. And I got to ask, is this when Triple H is kind of involved more in the booking meetings at TVs, et cetera, as has been reported over the years and just kind of getting more involved in that, in that way? Well, he always stayed busy and he always was, uh, you know, productive. I don't know the reason or the timing. It's a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, but he was, he was still involved in, in creative. Yeah. And then he had talents coming to him wanting him to help them in the production meetings. And here's this idea. What do you think of this? So he started broadening his horizons and, uh, and did a great job in that respect, man. That's got to feel great for triple H. When you start having peers come to you yeah. looking for suggestions, well, he had good ideas Yeah, and he, and he was a good listener. Yeah. Well, listen, I want to talk a little bit more about the X here and the, and the comedy stuff and all that went on there was a lot of it scripted JR or is this just Sean and triple H going out there and doing whatever they want and goofing around on TV and just getting away with it. Well, I think there were, uh, uh, outlines. You got to have a time. You got to have timing and you, you know, got to know when you're going on and all that good stuff, how you get into the segment, how you get out of the segment. So there was some pre-planning obviously, but they had lived a tremendous amount. They'd Let's feel see. the audience yeah. roll with what was sell, what they were selling, you know, like a great comedian. They were, they were telling jokes that people were laughing at and, uh, they were very entertaining, uh, and they were swimming upstream because they were allegedly, uh, hated heels, but they entertained the audience. I always found that to be tough to accomplish. Why should I dislike you? If, uh, if you make me laugh, if you entertain me. Is it more challenging? And I may be too old school. That may be too old school, by the way. But uh, those segments were great. You know, I, I hey, were they edgy, or they? Uh, could you say that they were distasteful? Yeah, you could. But it was TV fourteen, different audience, different branding, uh, and it seemed to work for us. Yeah, man. You had Shawn Michaels bouncing up and down with his pants off. You had uh, Hunter and Shawn with their dick jokes. 
uh, which, hey, you know, we, we crack a few of those when we do blue chew ads. But at the time, were you comfortable <laughs> with this stuff? Or and, and I, don't okay know was, I don't know if I was comfortable, but it didn't matter how I felt. Yeah. It was supposed to make us uncomfortable. It was a TV 14 show with a, uh, a very controversial act called DX. I loved it. And that's the kind of humor they did. That's right. It was had it, it was for the right demographic at the time. I'm telling you, the shit worked. By the way, big announcement all over social media as we record this. Raw is going to TV 14 again. I don't know if you saw that, Jay. I didn't see that. Yeah, they're moving it to readjusting the rating from PG back to TV 14. Well, maybe that'll help. So the, big- the more people that watch Raw or SmackDown, believe it or not, helps AEW generating interest in pro wrestling. On any platform, uh, what's that old saying about the uh, high tides uh, raise, high tides rise tide. all ships. That's it. So I think yep. that's where we are here in this uh, scenario. So I hope it does well for them. I don't, I don't have any dislike for anybody at WWE or their company. I was there 26 years. You know, I, I'm, uh, I had success there. Hall of Famer. Yeah. And I, I, and I still respect all that. And, and my time there, I'm happier now quite frankly, without sounding like an ass kisser. Uh, but yeah, I, I, uh, cause I like working with Tony Khan. Yeah. I, I like that scenario. You know, Tony is on the verge of becoming overloaded because he's a one man band. He's tremendous on how he manages all the projects and they're not Mickey mouse projects. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, you're talking about a major soccer club in England. You're talking about an NFL franchise in Jacksonville. And, you know, and so he didn't really have a life. His life is the products that he manages work and that's his work. Life. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and in that respect, he's a McMahon like, yeah. Cause Vince has no life other than the wrestling business. Well, listen, one of the big moments in Hunter's career is Cactus Jack appearing at Madison Square Garden for the street fight on Raw and Cactus getting the win. But Hunter comes out of that looking strong again by going toe-to-toe with Cactus on that show. Does he not, JR? Yeah, yeah. We, he got over. Yep. You know, we hear it all the time. You, you can, you, he, are, you going, are you going over or are you getting over? Well, he wasn't going over, but he got over. And that was the end game. Get everybody over. And those, again, those guys had great chemistry. Mick was very, uh, giving, very unselfish and uh, made sure they took care of Hunter. I try to do the same thing on commentary. I get all, I get more, a lot of feedback from fans about, man, you must, you can tell you really hated triple H because of how I try to make him a heel. Hello. You're doing your job. Hello. Well, you really, I could tell, I could tell you really hated him. So you're a fucking mind reader now, junior. Are you, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I never hated him, but my character, Imagine I need to make sure that, uh, I was putting him in the right, I was framing him with the right frame. I was coloring him with the right color and let's make him a heel. We, we have to make him a great heel. Cause this, and we did. People need to go outside and get some oxygen, Jim. Uh, that's all I can say. Uh, yeah. 
I hear you, buddy. Maybe maybe throw some stuff on the grill and buy some JR's BBQ. Yeah, JR's uh, BBQ.com. Yeah, there you We're go. We're so, hey, business has been good. Thanks to you guys. So I appreciate hey. everybody that's uh, helping support our cause, so to speak. Well, listen, the DX name was given to the group in October, and you could really see the rub from Sean as a top heel. Uh, you know, it just really gave Hunter that rub that he needed. And, you know, listen, we're in, we, we will discuss the Montreal screw job in great detail later on this year. But we got we to gotta talk about it here, JR, because we are covering 97. How involved was Hunter, do you think, in all of that? You know, I don't know. I, I still believe that, you know, hell, I didn't know. And I was head of talent relations. And I was broadcasting the show. So you think that one of those two reasons would be enough to, to clue me in on what we're doing, but I had no idea. Vince told me nothing. And, uh, I was pissed about it after the show because I sit in a room by myself while all the, the shit was flying around, uh, the heart situation and the, the cameras are there and all this other horse shit. Yeah. It's just as a bad day at the office, to be honest with you, but I didn't know that it was coming down. So, but I felt I should have known. And the reason Vince gave me for not telling me was that I don't want, he said, I want the talent roster to trust you and they're not going to trust you. If they, if you think you, you, you were in on this deal, if they think you're in on this deal, they're not going to trust you. Uh, and I can't have that. They have to trust you in your role. Well, listen, I want to call out a specific moment in time that happened. There's a memorable clip uh, in the Wrestling With Shadows documentary. You have Brett's wife, Julie. She's seen berating Triple H, basically saying he'll get what's coming to him. She keeps saying what goes around comes around. And he was in on everything that was happening, which he does deny to her, JR. I don't think he was. You know, I, I people may think I'm naive. Uh, and maybe I am. But I think Vince kept that as close to the best as he possibly could. But I'm sure that Hunter knew what was going down. He had to know certain things to be in his spot and to be out there to get Sean out of the ring. So, but I don't know how much he was involved in the planning and all that stuff. Uh, then that gets you into, well, should it have happened in the first place? Yeah, all speculation. All that. Yeah. All that bullshit. And so, uh, it happened. people that know were triple H himself, Sean, then they all truly know what, who yeah. knew what and everything. Patterson knew yeah. Briscoe knew. Uh, and, but not many, I mean, outside for a wrestling pro wrestling thing to be kept quiet, something that's significant, best kept secret ever. Yeah. I don't think there's a better one. Yeah, I agree. Unbelievable. Hey, let me ask you this. Did you ever discuss or talk with Hunter when Rick rude decided to leave for WCW after the whole screw job went down? No, I don't think we did. Uh, I think we all kind of said the same thing. We could have got more out of him. If we had, if we had positioned it as such, we didn't and we, and we didn't. So, uh, but not really, I think it was, I don't know if it was expected, but it wasn't shocking that he left because he was kind of floating in the, you know, he, in this four man group, he's kind of the fourth guy and even behind China. So I, I don't know that we ever discussed it, but it didn't come as a huge shock. Uh, cause that was what W W WCW was doing there. Now they're going to take guys back. So, uh, no, I don't think we ever chatted about it all. Did you ever have any conversations with triple H post this whole shit show? Do you think he regret, I mean, 
where he says, hey, I regret this thing. I didn't want to be a part of a- anything that you can remember, recall any conversation with you and Triple H after this whole deal. You know, not much. We kind of let it, let's just move on. And uh, we were tired of talking about it, too, quite frankly. Uh, I don't recall any, you know, sit down or anything along those lines. We may have had a casual, we may have had a casual conversation about it, but nothing more than that, quite frankly. Well, let's move on from that. Triple H would defeat Commissioner Sergeant Slaughter. That's right. In a boot camp match at the In Your House Degeneration X pay-per-view, excuse me, from Springfield, Massachusetts. Was the goal to have Hunter get a win over an over babyface veteran to really make him look like a complete asshole? Was that was that the goal at this point? Well, it was a quality win for Hunter. Yeah. You got Sarge as a Hall of Famer, and he was certainly major league in that area in Springfield in the Northeast. Not that he wasn't in other places, but he was certainly big there. And uh, they had known each other forever. Triple H knew as the cerebral assassin that he is, what he should do or try to do Sarge and what not to. So to get him a solid win, and that way we could point out the fact that he's a no good bastard. It was 18 minutes, Jim, that match. Was that bad? Well, uh, they, they, feedback what did they the say? yeah, feedback from the observer was that it came across a bit flat and that it was way too long at 18 minutes, but, uh, Hey, it is what it is. It could have been shorter, but remember, it could have been shorter. It could have been shorter, but it wasn't. They told was. a nice story. It, the, the fact about the too long a time that people didn't want to see Sergeant ring for 18 minutes at that stage of his career. And I don't, I say to hell with you guys. You know, he said he did that. That was one of Sarge's last pay-per-view outings yeah. of any significance. I think he deserved it. My favorite degeneration X Sergeant Slaughter memory is when uh, Triple H and Shawn Michael had the visors on with the little cleaning the spit that he was spitting against. Yeah, yeah, with that was funny. Boy. That's creative. Yeah, it's good and stuff. it was funny. Yeah. yeah. JR, in a silly segment on the Christmas 1997 Raw from Lowell, Massachusetts. Oh, oh, this is great. Slaughter had forced Michaels to defend the European title for Triple H. It's basically a precursor to the finger poke of doom in WCW a year later. As Sean essentially lays down so Triple H can pin him for the title. Why did they treat the European title as a joke so early on? Uh, I don't know. I think they realized they didn't need another title. Yeah. So let's make a joke out of this one. And I kind of did. Just a creative way, you think, just to get the title off of Sean and Sean and get it moved over to Hunter here? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't like it, but nobody asked me if I liked it or not. But I didn't like it. Not uh, that way. Yeah. Owen Hart would then transition his feud to Hunter by the end of 97 instead of Sean. What did you think that was? Why did you think that was? Did Sean not want to work with Owen? Or did Owen just looking look forward to working with Hunter? No, I don't think Sean had anything to do with it. I think the fact that we finally got the title on triple H, which is kind of what we wanted to do. And we knew that between the two triple H and Owen would have great matches. So there was nothing there with the whole, uh, you know, screw job 97. No, Sean did not, uh, excuse me. Owen did not refuse ever that I'm aware of. Yeah. That he didn't want to work with Sean. I don't think they're ever going to be best buddies, but to eliminate any of that shit, go to triple H. And that's what we did. 
So, JR, as we uh, start to wrap up kind of what's going on here with Triple H, looking back, though, you would say this was the pivotal year yeah. for Triple H, no doubt about it. Yeah, he became a star in 1997. Triple H became a star. Pronoun boy. Uh, God. He, uh, no, he, uh, no, he's no pronouns, JR. Practice what you preach. Uh, no, I think it worked out fine. It did. He became the man. He went from Hunter Hearst Helmsley at the beginning of the year. He's Triple H. He's Degeneration X. He's now top of the card. He's been battling, as we outlined here. He went from kind of Gold Dust and, and a few others at the beginning. Now he's he's taken on Bret Hart. He's taken on Mankind. He's in these major feuds, became a major player, and uh, Triple H does it again. JR, I want to ask, did Hunter come to you for advice to anyone, or was he just hanging out with Sean and staying in his lane at this point in his career? Well, he always listened. He always listened. Uh, no, I don't I don't recall asking for advice. We chatted. We had a good relationship. We got along. Because uh, you want to get along with all your talent, especially your top talent. And he certainly was a top talent. JR, when we wrapped up last week's show, uh, you were talking about how Triple H emulated Harley Race when he started yeah. to up the card. Talk about that for to us for a little bit. Well, Harley was just a, a, a very strong influence uh, for Triple H as Triple H was a young guy, like a, even a fan. Uh, his Harley's work drew Triple H to Harley, and a lot of the subtleties that Harley did in the ring, his timing, his pacing, uh, all those things were very, uh, reminiscent of, uh, of Harley race. And, uh, I've always said there's no better wrestling heel to emulate or to learn from than Harley race. So, uh, that told me right away that if you're going to be trained by killer Kowalski, and then you're going to be influenced and tutored by Harley race, you're paying attention. And you got a definitive goal and you know that these two men can help you achieve those goals. So, uh, but Harley was a big part of the success, uh, a triple H without question. Well, JR, we, uh, we got several fan questions in this week. So I want to go through those with you before we wrap up. Our first one comes to us from Andy Goldsmith. He said, I hope Jim will answer this. And I appreciate it if he does, but reportedly Shawn Michaels was insufferable during this time. How much heat did Hunter get for being his friend and hanging out with him? Well, he probably got more than he deserves more than he deserved. I mean, hell he, he wasn't, it wasn't like, it wasn't like, you know, Hunter was the designated babysitter for Sean Michaels. Sean's a goddamn adult. So I'm not going to blame Hunter for any of Sean's misdeeds. And yes, Sean was a handful. There's no doubt about it. He, he wasn't happy. As a person, he had a lot of issues that he was battling and, uh, you know, he was one of the more insecure guys that we had on the roster. And, you know, I, he wasn't the only insecure guy on the roster. He just one of many, uh, and it's like it is today. Most wrestling rosters are, are dotted with guys that are insecure and wondering what's next, probably because they they're overdrawn or their visa bills too high or they can't make their payment on their Rolex or some of that shit. But you know, uh, I'm, uh, I'm probably the wrong guy to ask about that. Cause I don't have a lot of patience for that shit. Well, that, and you think about it too, from your guy's perspective, at least if you were having issues with 
Sean. Triple H was a guy you could kind of lean on a little bit. Well, you could, you could feel it out with talking to Triple H. Yeah. But the eventuality of it is, is that the only person that could take care of Sean's issues or communicate with him in a way that Sean would understand and pay attention to is Vince. That's the deal they had. Yeah. Vince said, I saw myself a little myself when I was younger and Sean, you know, I was a, uh, a wild card. I was, you know, the, I had, I had attitudinal, attitudinal issues. Well, Sean had plenty of those and Vince was his fixer. But yeah, we could, but Hunter was always good about helping us out. Uh, you know, it may be all his backs bothering him or this or that. Uh, I don't know, but, uh, you just, you, you just look for wherever you got to, you look for any solution to the issue that you can. And sometimes going through a, uh, a notary public, so to speak, uh, was way to get it, get it done, Paul. Yeah. JR up next, Michael Gavin, Ali, AKA Badman, says that the pairing with Shawn Michaels, who's best friend uh, with triple H help him to become the best heel in the business. Well, it didn't hurt. It certainly didn't hurt. The more time you can spend with Shawn Michaels, who look until we started talking about this, Shawn Michaels is ranked as a number one or number two worker in the business behind Ric Flair. And that's another topic for another day. Uh, certainly, but, uh, I, yeah, any, the more time they can spend around Shawn Michaels in his in-ring bell-to-bell uh, game, the better off you are. The better off, and and I will say uh, reciprocally that being with Triple H was a was a boost to Shawn, and I believe that to be true. Puss Bucket is up next. I think it's called Puss Bucket. Oh, okay. Puss. Puss. Puss Bucket. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be Puss Bucket. Who you can tweet it at pus underscore bucket. There you go. And you can talk to him directly. That's what you should do. Blow him up. There you go, everybody. After the blowback from the curtain call, did you notice any positive changes Hunter made to improve his standing in the company that reinforced the company's plans to get his push started? He just kept his head down and kept working. There's no politically underscore uh, conspiracy theory. Derek, I need more Derek on the show. Uh, but no, no, I, 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 I didn't, we did, he just kept his head down and kept working. We all want to get past that to go back and relive and relive and talk and the dirt and then this, da, da, da. What did Wade Keller say? What did Dave Meltzer say? I don't know. No, don't give a shit. They can say whatever they want. It didn't matter to me. Uh, and it shouldn't matter to anybody else, but them. Cause they, they're doing this for a living. Uh, but I, I just, no, he just kept his head down and kept working and uh, it all worked out just like we all thought it would. Everybody wanted to move on from that moment. It wasn't a flattering moment in pro wrestling history. JR over the line podcast is up next. Who do you think had the better feud undertaker and mankind or triple H and mankind? Hard to say they were both were great. Hard. Mm. Yeah. Hard to answer that one. But I, I thought that Taker was already a made man when he worked with uh, Mick. Triple H wasn't totally made. I think Mick, Mick really helped him. Michael Cohen's up next. He said, did Jim know that during this time period, Hunter just had the it factor? Also, does Jim still keep in contact with Hunter in 2022? Well, obviously, we're both on 
opposite sides of the fence. Uh, and that's about the only reason we don't keep in touch. No, no, no other reason. I'm certainly don't have nothing to be angry with him about. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, my, yes, it's funny. I'm doing, I'm, I'm talking to you and my phone is, uh, printing on my words. So somehow so what's somehow her name? Maybe it heard you say Siri or something. Yeah. I can hear now she that. said, don't worry about it. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you, bitch. <laughs> Do you have an Alexa or Google that you get in an argument with Jr. when you're at home by yourself? Apparently. Okay. Anyway, I would love to be a fly on the wall for some of that shit. Hey, yeah, so, I'm not very technically sound. I have to all, admit that. It's all good. That's what we're there. To I think you. to answer the question of mankind and, and triple H, Help Triple H more than, than, uh, than Taker and Mankind. I think that. Yeah. So which one though about Durant? Did you feel like he had the it factor at this point? Oh yeah. I I, yeah. I, I was always a big fan of him. You know, young guy didn't drink, he didn't smoke, no drugs. Six uh, four. So he could put sentences together. He was a student of the game. So I, I uh, always liked his chances. Did he play college football? I'm just nope. That was the only negative. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> hey, On JR's list. He just so those college play. football players uh, have made some pretty good pro wrestlers. Oh, I'm with you. I just haven't fun. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, it, it didn't take a genius to figure out he was going to be really good. And I think some of those guys he worked with that we've mentioned on this show today, uh, or, or help quell any of those doubts or what have you. Yeah, he was kind of a can't miss guy. I thought, uh, Brad Stanton's up next. Our buddy Brad says Grillin Jr. Could triple H made his character transition without China. We talked a little bit about that. You think yeah. so, but you think she was really kind of the accelerant to get in. There. I think she was accelerant. I think she helped move it along a little quicker, but he still would have been a star with or without her at ringside. All right. My good old friend, Adam Arpin, haven't talked to him in a while. Good old dude. He says with creative halfing, having mapped things out from the next WrestleMania backwards at this time, how much did the curtain call and subsequently not becoming King of the ring in 96 change the plans for Hunter at WrestleMania 13? Would he still have been feuding with Goldust? And if so, might the IC title been on Hunter and not the rock? So there's a lot to unpack there. A lot of wow. ifs, this, that's, and I know this is a long time for you, Jr. Jesus, I'll let you, uh, you know, golly, there's there. I'm trying to read this question. Uh, I don't know if it changed any major plans for WrestleMania 13. You should ask Siri and see what she says. I think not. No. Okay. Uh, hard to say about the intercontinental title and because both guys rock and triple H would work. Uh, they could still fulfill their obligations in the role. Uh, but I don't think any plans were changed about that. So much was made of the curtain call and we've talked about it ad nauseum here today. And we're not, that's not even our topic. It was a moment. There was a lack of judgment that was done in our number one arena. And it was embarrassing. It embarrassed a lot of people within the business. It was unnecessary. It did not have to happen. So, uh, 
but it did. But that's, that's, but nope, I don't know if any plans are changed because again, I think people made more out of the curtain call than it, than it was actually, than actually it was. All right. Rajiv, uh, he reached, he uh, chimes in this week. Uh, another buddy of mine, he says, was crowning him King of the Ring this year to make up for him not winning it in 96 like he was supposed to. So was this the. Your buddy Rajiv is asking a real stupid question. And he may be stupid as well for asking that question. Uh, yeah, the, there's no makeup in wrestling. <laughs> There's no kissing in baseball, as Tom Hanks said in uh, League oh, of Their Own. Rajiv, I can't wait for him to text me. I can't. Oh, he will. But, you know, uh, make up for something. Are you shitting me in wrestling? Ain't nothing. They ain't no makeup. Give it to him. Give him some red ass. He deserves ain't no, it. Well, there's no makeup. It's just a stupid question. Yeah, I mean, come he should on, know Rajiv. better than that. If you listen to this podcast, you should have learned more. I'm, yeah, I'm get, a, your, get your head out of your ass, buddy. I'm embarrassed uh, for this gentleman. <laughs> I love you. Brian Fool is up next. Do you think Triple H being billed from Greenwich, Connecticut? Greenwich. Really was, uh, oh, yeah, he put Greenwich, but yeah, Greenwich. There you go. It was felt Greenwich. It is Greenwich. Yeah. Thanks, Brian, for making me sound like a dumb. Yeah, Brian. So you made your buddy here an idiot, <laughs> look like an idiot. <laughs> Do you think Triple H being billed from Greenwich, Connecticut really was understood by our average wrestling fan? I had no idea how rich of, of an area it was as a kid. Wouldn't uh, Beverly Hills, like Heenan used, have been a better city to use to portray what Vince was going for with Triple H? Well, Brian, you obviously didn't like the Greenwich hometown, so you'd be for uh, Beverly Hills. It would not be unique. Uh, Greenwich, I think you do a Google search. You can see the affluent nature of Greenwich. And Brian... Does it really fucking matter? Really? No. This is the JR that I like, I love, and I just enjoy so much. Brian, please continue to ask questions. We're having fun. Michael McClanahan with our last question of the week. Uh, he says, 1997 was the infamous DX era. My question is overall, uh, was Shawn Michaels more critical to the success of Triple H or was Triple H more critical to the success of Shawn Michaels during this era? Said differently, did one talent benefit more than the other from their partnership, both on and off screen? I think they both benefited quite honestly. Yeah. I guess, you know, you could say, well, Shawn was the incumbent and was had already notched his reputation in the folklore pro wrestling and triple H hadn't. So maybe Sean was the guy that brought triple H uh, to that notoriety. You can make an argument for that. Uh, but you know, I'm trying to, I don't think, I think if, if you looked at it, it's a close race, but probably triple H benefited more than Sean. If we were giving out stars to questions, we already know where Rajiv and, and Brian Fuller were in the list. <laughs> Would you give Michael McClanahan, was that at least a, a four-star question, you think, from Michael McClanahan? It's a 12-star. 12-star. Wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. Leave it to Money Mike to wrap At least, up. yeah, because he has a question every week. He does. He is very good, by the way, too. He's he's a CPA. He's, he's a smart kid, so there you go. Are you sure? Yeah. The rest of you guys need to get your act together, but please continue to ask questions. We'll have fun with them here on Grilling JR. Speaking of what we do here on Grilling JR, JR, next week, it's discussing the rise of Brock Lesnar, the beast incarnate from Minnesota University and his NCAA career to OVW finally being called up and then becoming the next big thing from winning King of the Ring in the Inter Intercontinental title in such a short time 
to the undisputed championship by SummerSlam with a win over The Rock and his run with The Undertaker to the crowning and disastrous moment at WrestleMania 19 against Kurt Angle. Listen, we're talking about Brock Lesnar. SummerSlam win over The Rock in 2002. Buddy, he's about to wrestle for the main event in SummerSlam here again in 2022, 20 years later. Um, so it's going to be fun talking about the rise of Brock. Yeah, yeah. I got a lot of things to talk about Brock. He's one of my favorite. To, and he was another guy that was, could be a big pain in the ass. Massive. <laughs> From day one. Yeah. He just, you know, uh, and we'll talk about that. There's reasons for that. There's a, there's a source for these issues. That if you care about somebody and you want to be a problem solver that you look for, you look for those sources, you look for those reasons that someone is making a, a uncharacteristically bad judgment. And sometimes he executed some bad judgment. Uh, there you go. Well, hey, make sure you tune in. We'll find out all those reasons why he was a pain in the ass and also why he was very successful here with JR. JR, before we get out of here, buddy. You got, we got to tell them to check out adfreeshows.com. There's so much content over there going yeah. on right now. The kingdom has grown. The kingdom. We got Kevin Nash has a podcast over in there now called Click This. You got McFoley, whose podcast has just skyrocketed up the charts. Um, in addition to all of our friends, Tony Schiavone, Jeff Jarrett, the golden boy. Uh, you know, every Who the hell's a golden boy? Jeff Jarrett. The, you know, the golden Get out of here. Come on now. The golden boy. <laughs> Is there nothing that we can use that's maybe more modern? I Arnold Scolding was a fucking golden boy. Jeff Jarrett ain't got no right to golden boy. Okay. That's about me... as much he has about as much right as that's claiming that he was a horseman. Oh, there it is. I, oh, that was good. I like it. I like Come on, he's, he's still horseman. claiming that. He's still claiming that. Well, what else are you gonna hang his hat on? I don't know. Hey, uh, I mentioned to you that I had an appearance coming up. Yeah, tell us about this it. This weekend. This weekend, I, uh, in, uh, Iowa, 22nd and 23rd, 22nd and 23rd. And, uh, that's going to be in, you know, the town Waterloo, buddy, Waterloo, Waterloo, baby. I pay attention. And, uh, so Waterloo, uh, Friday and Saturday, great event. Hope you'll check it out. And then I'm just looking here. Just got the details on this. Oh, there you go. The Sussex, Sussex County fair in Augusta, New Jersey. And, uh, so that's going to be, uh, on that Saturday, uh, God damn, this is, I work with some brain dead son of a bitches. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> so it, it, I, I'm going to be doing an appearance. Oh my God. And, uh, you know, this is one of those deals where you ask your booking agent a question yeah. and they tell you how to make the watch instead of what time it is. Oh my God. Sussex County fair, Augusta, New Jersey. Uh, and they're going to work on my travel, which nobody needs to know or gives a shit about Do they need the dates, buddy. So I got the dates. Did I get the date or not? No. Okay. Well, Hey, tell them you said, thanks. Just, just uh, soon Google it. Everybody. I mean, I am, and I still can't find shit on Sussex County fair, Augusta, New Jersey, uh, coming up soon. We'll have more information that will be accurate and definitive. <laughs> When we see you again next week, if you live in that tri-state area and can come by, I would appreciate it. It'll be, it'll be fun. I'm not uh, doing a lot of appearances simply because of the travel issues. This is a favor to somebody, and uh, so I'm fulfilling my nice obligations guy. in that regard. You're a nice so uh, there you go. Sussex County Fair, Augusta, New Jersey. I'll be there. Before we get out of here, JR, one more thing we have to talk about because it's 
it's better than sliced bread and it's your barbecue sauce and your seasonings. I know because I just put some on a couple of steaks that this last week. I want to hear more about how our folks can continue to support you with this outstanding quality, phenomenal products that you have over there. The mustard. Well, it's very, thank you. It's Go very ahead. affordable. Appreciate the plugs. Uh, com. Pretty simple. We have a website. It's open 24 hours a day. Mm. And uh, our business has been very brisk, which we're very, very grateful. So if you're looking for back outdoor cooking needs, the all-purpose seasoning, the barbecue sauce, the chipotle ketchup. Uh, I love the uh, jalapeno honey mustard. It's one of my favorites. It's got one gram of sugar, by the way. So it's healthy, uh, healthier than a lot of products you can you can buy like that. So uh, we... We, we pack it all, we make it all, we manufacture it all in Oklahoma City, and we ship it all out of Norman. So uh, we're trying to be very efficient there. And I, we've had, you know, shipping issues and things of that nature. We just make good on it. Simple. Don't drag it through the mud about, you know, well, how are we going to fix this? We're going to, what did you order? Order six bottles of JR's Original. Then you, we're going to send you six bottles of JR's Original for your trouble. That's what you do. You make them happy. That's what we try to do. So jrsbbq.com, check it out. Great for gifts and things of this nature. You know, I'm so far behind, Paul. The other day I mentioned here, talking about the sauce and stuff, uh, Father's Day, not knowing that I was about a month off. Yeah. And that's sad in a way. And it's uh, the way it is in a way. And we'll talk about that another time. Time flies when you're having fun, man. I'm, That's it, baby. It, it is just flies by so quick. We're almost halfway through the summer already. Uh, it's just insane. But that means we're heading in to what we said at the top of the show. Labor Day is fast approaching. And for all you ad-free show members, that means Top Guy Weekend for those that are part of it. Also for AEW, that means a big weekend in Chicago. Yours truly is going to be there to be a part of it, JR. I'm looking forward to seeing you. You're in the main event, aren't you? I am. You're, you're going to go over on me. Not me. Maybe Shivani might want to. How about Bert, Britt Baker? There you go. I'm all in on that. Yeah, you get double teamed by her and uh, Rebel. Rebel. Oh, sign me up, brother. Yeah, that's a good way to go out. That's right. Not, not a better good way, way to go out. So, uh, but anyway, fun show today. I'm glad you were available. Conrad, God bless him, is putting uh, his show together, StarCast. It gets bigger and bigger every day. I followed on Twitter. It's amazing. There's always something going on. There's always something being added. There is. So it's uh it's kind of a wrestling fan's dream. It's Disney. It's like World going to Disneyland. That's exactly it. Same analogy. And of course, Conrad's gonna be wearing his uh tights most of the uh convention. Oh wow, now you're turning it into a wrestling fan's wet dream. So yeah. there you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh it should be fun. I, I, I just know some of the guys that are booked there, and I know for them personally to get to be able to compete and perform in front of a huge crowd, which they're going to have is a great experience. That's it, what they, some, it's what some guys remember because they've been doing indie shows and they're not drawing thousands. They're drawing a few hundred if they're lucky. And so I'm very happy that some of these guys are that deserve to wrestle and show their stuff in front of a big house, like the rock and roll express, for example, one of many illustrations I could give you. But uh, this is going to be one of the most interesting and, and talked about events uh, that that Conrad, of course, has ever been affiliated with. But it's never been an I guess they're an indie. 
So if you're, I, I, I say that in a nice way, but I'm thinking that there, and you could consider Starcast an indie event. Yeah. And if so, it's the biggest in history. It's the biggest of all time. You don't and want to I suffer can't. from FOMO. You know what that is, right? JR uh-uh. fear of missing out. You don't want to okay. suffer from that. So, so well, good. It's now I know. Do. Now I know what that means. Oh. I'll use it later. I'm sure. There you go. <laughs> I roll for all those. Just listen. I love working with you, JR. Always so much fun. We had fun talking triple H today. We'll have fun. Yeah. He's the real deal, Paul. Yeah. He's the real deal and should not be penalized because of who he married. There you and go. a lot of the angst that is directed toward him is for a, one of the lamest reasons of all time. Well, he married the boss's daughter. You got to be kidding me. There you go. Well, listen, support them. JRsBBQ.com. Listen to them every Wednesday night on dynamite, every Friday, Friday night on rampage and check them out week in and week out here on grilling JR. He is a legend, a hall of famer, Mr. Jim Ross, the voice of wrestling. This has been grilling JR. We'll see you next week. Thanks everybody. We appreciate every one of you. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.